me just adjust this. Oh, we good? Okay. Yeah, still second time behind the mic. Get used to it. <laughs> uh, well, good morning. Thanks for coming. Um, so, as you know, oh, there we go. Um, Jay, Jason and Jen are not here, so you're kind of stuck with me for the announcements again. Uh, yeah, let's go. Um, so, yeah, let's get it rolling. What do we got next? Okay, yes, this thing is going to be awesome. It's called the end of the school year party. Um, pretty much the backstory behind this is that I asked the kids um, at the village, say, hey, if you wanted the end of the school year party, what would it look like? And I got the whiteboard out. I put as many ideas out there, and it was so cool because pretty much what they did is plan out, like, their school year carnival. So we're like, okay, let's make it happen. So that's what's going on. It's on June 10th. Um, and ways that you guys could help is showing up. It should be a fun time. And other things that we want to do is like a cakewalk. So um, while that is taking place, we would love if you could like donate some store-bought cookies, cakes, or cupcakes, brownies, um, whatnot, just so that we have some supplies so that when the kids or you do the cakewalk, there are prizes there, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's gonna be a fun time. There's gonna be an inflatable um, and burgers, hot dogs, good time. Um, should be a lot of fun, so hope to see you there. Soccer club, that's coming up too. Yes, it's happening. Okay, um, registration opens this week. Um, June 1st, and it's going to be open for ages two years old all the way up to sixth graders. Um, and so, yeah, communicate with us, register, write it down, put it in, and then we'll have you signed up and ready to go. I'm actually super excited because um, I haven't been able to do it yet, and Brookie's done it for a couple of years, and so I'm kind of jealous, and I'm ready to, like, <laughs> go play some soccer with some kids. So, all right, next. Okay, so beginning on June 13th, two Sundays, um, we'll be following the CDC as well as the Snohomish County's Health Department's guidelines for our gathering. Um, so we'll be posting that the week prior to church so that you can be well informed. And we'll also share that information on Facebook and Instagram. So as things are changing um, in our community and in the world around us, we're going to shift into the CDC requirements, or not requirements, but guidelines. Um, and so that might just look a little different. And so we just want to make sure that um, it's a smooth transition and people feel comfortable because we do want this to be a safe place for everybody here. Um, and so that's what's coming up in two Sundays. And so things that you can do is if you wanted to help at the party or um, communicate that the guy who's doing announcements is doing a great job, you could do that uh, on the communication card. Um, you can do that on brookviewchurch.com um, and fill that out. And then if you have any questions, comments, that's another way that you can reach out to us. Um, I, think that's, I think that's all that we got. I'm going to pray real quick, and then, yeah, we'll get the show on the road. <laughs> um, dear Father, thank you for this opportunity for us to gather and be together. Um, I just pray that you fill this room, and then you also open our hearts so that we can receive your word um, and your guidance and your love, and that um, this space is yours to move through and work through. Um, and, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what you got to say for us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, thank you. Thank you.
Yeah. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be with you today, and it's nice to meet Trevor for the first time. And uh, some of you I recognized from before, even though with your masks on, sometimes it's hard for me to recognize people, but, but I know many of you, okay? I think. <laughs> anyway, it's good to be with you. It's always um, just a privilege for me to, to come to Brookview and to be able to share with you. It's been very uh, kind of Jason to let me in on some really sweet people. And he's shared you with me in that sense, and I feel blessed to be here. Um, just to say, you might not know who I am, but I pastor up in uh, Arlington, Washington at Smoky Point Community Church, and I've been on staff there for, man, going on 26 years. I know, I am really old. <laughs> and I was at another church for 11 years before that, so that makes me about 80-something. No, anyway. Um, no, my role over the years, I've been a youth pastor, I've been a lead pastor, I've uh, been an associate pastor in pastoral care, and I loved that role, and I thought that was going to be a role that I would just take to my grave, <laughs> you know, basically. And um, as of about two years ago, I started a new role. We opened up a ministry school at our church called Reach Training Institute, and with a whole series of events and some strange kinds of things happening, God put me in a role there as dean of the school. And so that's been a real pleasure and, um, man, just a whole new learning curve in life, but a great challenge. And I can't think of anything better to be at this stage in ministry and actually look behind me and begin now to train up leaders for the future. And so that's what the ministry school is all about. And um, it's affordable and it's in the area. So if you want to know any more about that, um, it's attached to a college. So the degree actually is an accredited degree uh, for ministry, for full-time ministry. So if you have any interest in it, I did bring some materials. Be glad to chat with you after the service if that's of interest to you. All right. That's my sales pitch there. Um, thanks, Jason. Hey, he's out of town. I can say what I want to say, right? No. Anyway, it's great that uh, Jason and Jen got to go to Nashville, and I was thinking, man, I can't wait till Jason gets back, because he's probably going to be grabbing a banjo, and, and I love country music. Man, we can maybe get together and have some good music. So um, I did joke and say it's probably a good thing I didn't go to general counsel, because I would probably skip most of the meetings so I could go listen to the music. But anyway, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. I was going to start this way. Imagine if you will, but the problem is that reminds me of the Twilight Zone, if you've ever watched the Twilight Zone. See, that dates me, right? Those are like black and white shows. But picture with me, if you will. You turn out the lights, you lay your head on your pillow, it's going to be a good night. It's been a busy day. You were so looking forward to relaxing and dozing off to sleep. You've skipped the evening news, you've brushed your teeth, and nothing seems to be more comfortable than your own bed. And you lay down on that memory foam, and you head off to sleep. You wake about 2 a.m., and for some reason, you feel wide awake. You look at the clock, and you think, awesome, I've got more hours of sleep ahead. You roll over, and, and then you begin to think about what's ahead of you. The assignments, the to-do list, 
the people you need to reach out to, the pressures on your plate, your kids, and for some reason you're not heading back to sleep at all. Your mind is racing and, and your clock even seems to mock you. You're losing precious sleep time. Somehow you feel anxious about the day ahead and the future and you're plagued with a series of what-ifs and negative outcomes and finally, finally you fall into a deep sleep. Only to, only to be awakened out of the fog by your alarm and you know that this night wasn't what it was supposed to be. You stumble toward the coffee maker, you're already exhausted and you wish you could go back to bed. Ever have one of those nights? Ever have more than one of those nights? <laughs> you wake in the night, this runaway train of anxiety and stress begins to run you down the tracks of worry and there doesn't seem to be an exit, right? Worry is said to be the thinking part of anxiety and probably one of the most common human struggles and perhaps one of the least recognized sins of the saints. Our English word for worry means to strangle or choke and have to say when it comes to worry, it does seem to choke and strangle the joy and the freedom and um, just the life and the peace and replaces it with fear and gloom and dread and despair. Worriers come in all sizes and shapes. Some people are casual worriers. I've come across people that they don't spend a whole lot of time worrying and I just kind of admire that. I think that's cool. I love that. And then there's some of us that are full-time professionals. You know, if it were an Olympic sport, we'd be at the top of our game, right? There's different types of warriors. There's the mayday warrior. They, they fear taking risks in life because they anticipate worst-case scenarios. This type of worry lives as if their ship is sinking and nobody is responding to their mayday signal. There's distress signal. It said this worrier lives life in a minor key with major concerns. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the yesterday worriers. And I, I didn't realize until some time back that this was, this was a form of worry. Uh, these kind of worriers can't get beyond the mistakes of their past. They live in perpetual shoulda, woulda, coulda type of thinking. And they worry about the things that can't be changed and undone and they live in perpetual regret. There are someday worriers. They speculate on fears over what could happen in the future, and they play out mentally every negative scenario in their mind. And then they're just playing the everyday worriers. They're trapped in this spin cycle of worry. That same negative scenario plays itself over and over. They worry when they go to bed at night, and it's there waiting for them when they get up in the morning. New day, same worry. Did you see yourself in any of those? I see myself in all of those <laughs> at various times, unfortunately. Um, you're not alone. We share in the struggle. Uh, personally, I, I know I've been every, every one of those types of warriors, and it's a struggle I've faced over the years. I still continue to, to face it, but I also have experienced victory, hope, and a path through worry. And I want to share that with you today because it's a path that leads you into the peace of God. And uh, I think it's so important, so important, because uh, this is a life changer in so many ways. And it brings to us the kind of life that God has for us and wants us to live. God knows 
that he knows the negative effects of anxious thoughts and worry. In fact, in Proverbs 12, 25, it says, an anxious heart weighs a man down. And it certainly does. I think about this, worry is really a thief. It steals our joy and our peace and our rest and our trust. It's a time waster. Could you imagine? Could you imagine taking the time that you spend on worry and putting it into learning a musical instrument? We'd be all pretty good at country music right now. <laughs> and the health effects. I, I mean, that's a whole topic in itself. The health effects of worry on the human body. Jesus said this in John 10.10. Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and that more abundantly, or that to the full. And I think, if anything, the enemy would love to see us continue in that path of worry because he knows he can keep us from the peace of God, and he is a thief. So today I want to share three practices, three practices provided in Scripture that lead to the peace of God and um, can, can lead us into victory over worry. And the reason I call these practices, I've spent enough time in pastoral counseling and pastoral care over the years to know Many people, when they're struggling with something in life, they might reach out to a pastor, but what they really want is a quick fix. You know, um, if I can just do the drive-through thing and get all the help I need and just drive on through and grab my happy meal and be on my way, um, and I know that. And I think when it comes to some of these things in Scripture, what we have to realize is it's a retraining and it's also a practice of continual repetition that begins to reinforce what God is trying to build into our lives and build something new. And, you know, God has provided an abundant life. And, you know, that life is found in the ministry of His indwelling presence by His Holy Spirit. But what I'm going to talk about today is not self-help. It's really talking about the Holy Spirit working inside of you, and I guess the most practical way I can say it is it's the work of the Holy Spirit in you as a believer that makes real the things of God in our life experience. I can tell you about the peace of God, I can tell you I believe in the peace of God, and, and I can show you in the scriptures where it talks about the peace of God, but it's a whole different thing to say, I have experienced the peace of God. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about that today because I know that's what God wants for us. He wants His life within to be the life He wants us to live through the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be speaking from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 9 today. Philippians chapter 4, 6 to 9, and I'll have actually most of the scriptures of the passage uh, on the screen as well. Let me start with the first verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul starts out and he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, if we just take that simple phrase right there, it almost sounds like the Apostle Paul is saying, don't worry. <laughs> oh, how about this? You're worrying and somebody says, stop worrying. Man, that works good. I'm so glad you told me to stop worrying because it did the trick. 
Now I'm no longer worrying because you told me to stop worrying. Well, Paul doesn't stop there, fortunately. Um, He's not saying, uh, well, just stop. He's going to go on and share how we can turn from anxious thinking. Um, It's interesting. There's a modern therapeutic technique that I came across, how to deal with worry. It said, really what you need to do is schedule your worries. Great way to deal with it. So like, you know, a worry comes along and you'll say to yourself, I'm sorry, I I can't follow the worry train right now because I only worry from 4 till 4.30. So you're going to have to wait, worry. Uh, I'm not sure if I believe that works so well. The Apostle Paul does give us an action step. Instead of worrying about anything, pray about everything. God never intended that we try to carry all the burdens of life on our own. And so even in this very verse, Paul uses about four different words that are words that are prayer words, basically. He uses the word prayer, broad word for communication with God, but then he talks about petition. This is the sharing of our personal needs and our problems. And you know, prayer is such a practical thing, but isn't it interesting? It's often our last resort. There's been times over the years I've, I've been discussing something going on my, with, uh, in my life with somebody, and, and they'll, uh, they'll go, did you pray about it? Oh, <laughs> well, no. <laughs> it's often that last resort. I sometimes wonder, is it possible that we're often trying to control on our own what is really beyond our control? Is it possible that we're so trusting in ourselves and our own resources And even convincing ourselves that we got it handled, that we don't need any extra help. Gary Collins, a well-known Christian psychologist, says, yes, that's exactly the problem. Here's what he says. Anxiety is fret and worry comes because of a sinful turning from God. Instead of acknowledging His sovereignty and preeminence, we have shifted the burdens of life onto ourselves and assumed that we alone can handle the problems we face. When a man turns from God and becomes his own God, increased anxiety is inevitable. Perhaps it's not surprising then that in an age of increased godlessness, there is also increased anxiety. And boy, we don't have to look too far. We live in a very stressed out world. and Even uh, in events over the last few months, um, the stress level has increased incredibly. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren uh, from Saddleback down in California, he says this, worrying is the warning light that God is really not first in my life at that particular moment because worry says that God is not big enough to handle my problems. Hmm. There's a New Testament scholar, R.H. Mounts. He says it uh, a little more directly. Here's what he says. Worry is practical atheism and an affront to God. Practical atheism. What that means is, I can say that God exists, and yet in my practical everyday life, act as if He doesn't. Practical atheism. Hmm. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. And then he says, with thanksgiving. These are prayers that are accompanied by a heart of gratitude for who God is and what He has done. And I can't help but think of earlier in the passage, Paul says to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. 
And then if they didn't quite get it, he goes, and I will say it again, rejoice. You know, I'm going to repeat myself here, rejoice. And then he goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Rejoice. So pray with thanksgiving. Now, it's interesting. Paul's not saying, hey, wait until your circumstances get better or that you're feeling good about life and then be thankful. Um, Paul wasn't writing this while he was on vacation in Cabo. Anybody have an idea where Paul was writing the letter from Philippians from? Any guesses? Prison. Prison. Yeah, that wasn't vacation. <laughs> and here he's saying, hey, pray about it with thanksgiving. So the next time you're tempted to worry, try rejoicing instead. Thank God for His presence, His activity in your life. Recount the ways that He has provided for you in the past, and it will change things. It can often lift you right out of worry. And remember, as you obey the Word, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to make real the life of God within us in our very experience. Prayer and petition and thanksgiving, and His final word is request. That's really turning your um, needs into asks, basically. Um, I love what the Scripture says. I, I just came across it in some devotional reading this last week. Psalm 68, blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burdens. And I think of in 1 Peter 5, 7, it tells us to humble uh, ourselves therefore before the Lord and cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. We're, we have that invitation. Bring your cares. Bring your burdens to the Lord. You know, if you practice turning your worries into prayer requests, here's what I think you'll find. You'll find yourself with increased confidence that God is very present in your circumstances, that He cares, that He's been working in your situation, and that He's incredibly faithful still. I love how one woman expressed how she gives God all her concerns before she goes to bed at night, and her explanation is this, because He's going to be up all night anyway. Martin Luther says, said it this way. He said, pray and let God worry. I like that. Pray, let God worry. So turn your worries into prayer requests. And here's the, the promise that's attached. Verse 7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard is a military term, and it really refers to a sentry that takes responsibility in protecting a camp or a castle or a city as he marches around protecting what's valuable. This imagery would have really resonated with the church in Philippi because Philippi was a Roman military outpost, and they employed retired soldiers to guard the city. Now, this is more than a senior citizen block watch program. Um, these guys were seasoned vets. They had marched into battle. They had swung the sword. They were experienced. They were vets. And I would imagine for the citizens of Philippi, it was an incredible comfort to know when they put their head on their pillow at night that these seasoned military men were protecting the city. 
and they could sleep in peace. I love how Paul says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in, in Christ Jesus. And really, when he says those words that transcends all understanding, what he's really indicating is this is not human. This is supernatural. This is a peace that comes from God and only a peace that God can give. And like I said before, it's the Holy Spirit that makes real in our life experience the very presence and the very peace of God, protecting and guarding our hearts and minds from that which could potentially discourage us and defeat us and destroy. What an amazing promise we can bring our worries to God and trade them for His peace. Let's go on to verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. My first point was pray. My second point is ponder. That word, uh, think about such things. Think, dwell, ponder. And it gives us this sense that this is something that we're to rest in for a while. It's not just a real quick passing through of these things. It's something that we're to really let it lodge there in our mind and rest in it and think on it, dwell, ponder. It's interesting that word uh, itself, think about such things, is really a mathematical term. Uh, a word that is derived from that is the word logarithm. Now, I'm not a math expert, and I'm not going to bluff you, okay? Uh, not at all. I was strong in English, but not in math. A logarithm. Give you a, a give me example. Two times two times two equals eight. The logarithm of that equation is three. But I think the thing I really want to center on is the whole equation side of the, the thing. Because in a sense, in verse eight, we're getting an equation. Here's my thinking, simple addition. I don't go beyond that. If we dwell on what is true, if we dwell on what's noble and right and lovely and pure, we can expect a good outcome. But if we do the opposite, we can expect a negative outcome. Our thoughts are so powerful. What we dwell on shapes not only our thinking, but it shapes even the way we feel. Let me use kind of a, a simple illustration. And I've been pretty honest with you guys before, so I'll, I'll share one more of my weaknesses. Um, you can keep a list, okay? <laughs> I'm claustrophobic. Okay, it's out there now. Okay? And um, it's a recovery group, isn't it? Or is, yeah. Hi, hi. <laughs> I'm a recovering claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> a closet claustrophobic. <laughs> and, and that's really bad. And that's where I feel it worse, though. No, um, I'll just share this. When I was a little kid, my dad, I love my dad. Uh, he's passed away about 16 years ago, but um, he used to play with us when we were really young. And one of the things he liked to do, which I think it was more for him than for us, is he'd like to throw a blanket over us. And I had a brother and sister that were real close to my age. He'd throw this big blanket over us and pin down the edges. And then we'd try and escape, and he'd be pinning down the edges. He loved it. This was, 
you should have heard him laugh. I mean, he was just, yeah. And I've been in therapy ever since. But finally, we get to this moment of panic. And we're screaming and yelling, and he finally lifts the blanket. You know, that was, that's where I think it comes from, okay? I just, you know, I just have to have an excuse for my claustrophobia. Anyway, uh, one thing I like to do every summer is I like to go back to Montana where I grew up, and I go backpacking with my brother. And we'll often be in the mountains um, pretty high up. We'll be at like 9,500 or 1,000 feet up, and you're topping tree line, but we always seem to find a lake to fish at, and We'll pitch our tent and have our campfire and all that. And uh, I was on a trip two years ago, and it, we were at a lower elevation, a place called Mystic Lake, beautiful area. You start out at Emerald Lake and hike up, and you're at Mystic Lake, and a lot of good camping up there. But as you, if you've done some camping in the mountains, you don't really have a big, huge tent because winds can come up. And, you know, I've, I've been in a tent before with a strong wind in the mountains, and I feared the whole tent was going to rip up and blow away. So it's a pretty low tent. So not a lot of room inside, but my brother and I will be sleeping in the same tent. But two years ago, we're at Mystic Lake in the summertime, and, and it's nighttime, and it's really hot and stuffy in this tent. And it's very small inside. And I remembered in my mind how one of my sons was on a backpacking trip in that very tent with us, and he got claustrophobic in the middle of the night and just kind of jumped up and started flailing around in the tent. And um, as I thought about that, I kept thinking, wow, this is really a small tent. This is really small. And you know what? My brother's sleeping by the exit. And and it's really hot and stuffy, and you're trapped. And pretty soon, I'm on a roll to where I, I couldn't even get off the train. I had to get out of the tent. And, and it's just an example for me how powerful the mind is, how powerful the thoughts, that if you camp on those thoughts, how it shapes so much of your thinking and your feeling. It's incredible, but what you dwell on is so powerful. So when it comes to worry, we need, we need to take account. What are you dwelling on? What are you thinking about? And in the past, I've used this scripture as an equation to run my thoughts through. And it's interesting, my particular favorite brand of worry is often projecting a negative outcome on the future that hasn't even happened yet. That happens to be probably one of my go-tos. And the interesting thing is when I take Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, the minute I get to that very first word, all of a sudden it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm projecting thinking on a future that hasn't even happened yet. And often, it's right at that point where I'm able to stay off the worry train. I like what one person said, worry is the down payment on 90% of the troubles you won't have. It's pretty good, pretty good. We need to ponder, dwell, think on the kind of things that are good, and if our thoughts don't fit the logarithm or the equation, then we need to allow God to adjust our thinking. And uh, I did decide this, and, and take this as a really cool idea. If you are the kind of person that wakes up in the middle of the night and you have trouble going back to sleep, um, make the enemy pay for it. Pray. Start praying for people. 
It's amazing. You can have some incredible prayer time, and probably nothing sends me back to sleep faster than praying. <laughs> it's, uh, be careful if you're praying in church, okay? <laughs> Pastor Jason will probably call you out for sleeping if you start snoring or something, okay? Here's what I think is going on, though. You're practicing a biblical principle, and Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Really, what you're practicing is you're, you're taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. Paul finally says in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So my third practice is practice. <laughs> practice, practice, practice. As someone said, the Christian life doesn't work in theory, only in practice. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. You're not going to kick the worry habit in a one-time event, guaranteed. It's going to be a discipline that's developed over and over again, and like one person said, till our new nature becomes second nature. <laughs> I'm not telling you it's easy, but I can tell you from personal experience there is victory in following God's Word. And if this is something you struggle with, here would be a good starting point. Memorize the verses we just went over today. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 9. That'd be a good starting point. Because here's the crazy thing. When you're hit with worry, it often doesn't come at a time where you're sitting down with your Bible in your lap. It's usually any other time during the day, and it could be in the middle of the night. And if you haven't memorized, it's there for you. It's there. It's readily available to tap into. So memorizing might be a good first step. But I was thinking this. Wouldn't it be great if we allowed worry to turn us into praying, pondering, and practicing people of God so that the peace of God becomes true in our experience? Wouldn't it be great if we so trusted in God's care and provision that we experienced the abundant life that God truly wants us to experience? Wouldn't it be great if we quit opening the door to the enemy who wants to steal our joy and keep us from what is truly ours as a child of God? as we reclaim the worship of our lives to the one who created us for himself and for his glory. Let me encourage you when you turn your worries into prayer requests and when you ponder on what is godly and practice what the scripture teaches, you are actually fighting the battle with spiritual weapons. And that's an act of worship. That brings glory to God. So I want to challenge us. Take up your spiritual weapons. Practice the word. Practice what God has given to us and see what God will do as He brings His blessing and His peace and His joy and His rest. And I love how Paul concludes, and the peace of God will be with you. And the peace of God will be with you. Earlier, he says the peace of God will guard us. And here he's saying the very peace of God will be, will be with you. In other words, God is very present. God is very near. He is with you in all of this. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful, aren't you? 
I'd love to pray for us as the band comes up to, to uh, do some more music. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, how practical your word is to our lives. And Lord, I do pray as we, uh, as we go through life and circumstances and Lord, at times there are things that are on our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would quickly turn those things into prayer requests and invite you to fight that battle for us. Lord, may we even sift our thinking and uh, not allow ourselves to just ruminate on the things that can bring us down and have no value, but Lord, really dwell and ponder on those things that are true and noble, right, lovely, pure, and admirable. And Lord, I pray that in the days to come, we would be able to say in even a stronger way, I, I, I not only have heard about the peace of God, I've experienced the peace of God in my own heart. So Lord, I, I just pray that you would continue to do your work in us by your Spirit, and we just thank you in Jesus' name, amen.